Well, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Chaos in the Courtyard. Title of the message this morning, Chaos in the Courtyard. You know, you're doing what's right. You're doing what you believe God has directed you to do. You've been faithful, yet the hits just keep coming. <laughs> what do you do? How do you handle it? Anybody ever had one of those type scenarios go on? I, just, I, I almost found it, I almost laughed just out loud when I was reading the text for this week. I'm thinking, <laughs> I know of several circumstances right now where this is the case. And, uh, and I'm thankful it's not mine. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I wish it weren't on other people, but <laughs> I'm glad it's not mine. But I have this, we've all been through this, right? We've, we've all been in that situation. We know, we're convinced, we're doing exactly what God told us to do. We've been faithful at doing what God has asked us to do. And yet, people, life would be great if it weren't for other people, right? I mean, I mean, pastoring would be great if it weren't for people. I mean, your job would be great if it weren't for people. No, I'm just kidding. So, but, but people like may, are what make life challenging sometimes, right? And uh, you got to deal with people that just can't see it the way you see it. Or they just don't want to see it the way they should see it, at least because you know you're right and they're never right. You are. And so, you know, the problem's not ever you, it's always them, right? That's how I feel it sometimes. But, you know, anyway, let's, I'm just going to read 20 verses and I want to, I want, you know what? This has all the makings of a hit TV show. I mean, it really does. So listen to the story, Acts chapter 19, beginning of verse 21. So just follow along. As I read through this, it says, when these things were accomplished, and that was the, the miracles that took place, as we talked about last week in, in Paul's life, and, you know, I mean, he takes even the handkerchiefs and the aprons that he was wearing, and he throws them on people, and the demons were coming out. So these miracles, after all these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he went into Macedonia, and two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. So he's just, he's making his rounds. I mean, Paul's doing what he always does, right? He's going from town to town, village to village, and he's reaching the key people in the synagogues. He's doing what he always does. No different, different chapter, same principles, doing the same thing. So going on. And verse 23, and, and about the time there arose a great commotion about the way. I know, I know it might shock you, but the commotion, I mean, is this something new to Paul? No. Everywhere he goes, there's a commotion. It's not like he's looking for a fight, but somehow just speaking the truth provokes a lot of people to anger. Uh, doing what he knows, knows God has called him to do is irritating a lot of people. And it just doesn't stop. And, and you see this phrase here, and about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. What do you see about that word way? Just look at it real quick. It's a capital W, right? So he's talking about those who were followers of Christ. And you know, so there is this commotion between those who were part of the way versus those who were part, weren't part of the way. And so there's this commotion taking place for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana. Now remember, think about this once again. 
where is Paul just getting done ministering at? In Ephesus, which is the great temple of Diana. And so people aren't going to let a good opportunity go to waste, right? I mean, we'll, we'll come back to that thought. So, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Let me break that down for just a moment. The trade was what? Making shrines out of silver. And this is how they made a living, selling these little shrines in honor of the temple Diana. So moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all of Asia. So not just in Ephesus proper, but all the towns around Ephesus that also gave tribute and homage to Diana. Well, you know, for just a minute here, we're, we're, being, we're being harmed by Paul's preaching. So this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that there are not gods which are made with hands. They're like, wait a minute. He's messing with us, guys. And I'm irritated. Nothing new with what Paul's going on, though, right? So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into dis disrepute, but also temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed whom all Asia and the world worship. I mean, what is he saying about this temple Diana? This is a big deal, right? I mean, this is a huge deal. It's not just for Ephesus because, you know, in their books of Ephesus, but remember, God just did a sweeping work there. In fact, he did such a great work there that people were throwing their books away and, and over 50,000, whatever it was, uh, expensive, expense of, of all these, the value of all these books that were burned, and now it's filtering out around the other cities around Ephesus. And he said, this is a, this is a big deal. This is the God that the world that we know worships. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. So, I mean, the, the, the closest thing they can get to Paul right now is his companions, right? And they're and they're they're basically shouting out, "Great is Diana! Great is Diana! Great is Diana!" And you see in the text that they did this in one place for over over two hours, and so they all come rushing into the theater, and there's a great commotion, you know, and and, and there's this confusion: what's going on? What's happening? Is there is there something major taking place? Some people don't even know, but they've gotten behind the chance. And when Paul wanted to go to the people. The disciples would not allow him. They said some of the officials of Asia, Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. He's like, Paul, don't go there. He said, there's chaos down there. Don't go in there. And you know, Paul, Paul just wants to have a conversation, right? I and mean, he's not wanting to go defend himself or, or do this. That. He just wants to go have a conversation and, and talk to these people and, you know, and let them know what truth is. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused and most of them did not know why they had come together. I mean, can you imagine this just for a moment? I mean, just, just kind of put yourself in this scenario. Everybody's running to the public theater. What are we running for? I don't know, but let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just chaos. And they don't even know why they're running, but they're running. You ever see feel like that's going on in our world today? 
Everyone's jumped on a bandwagon. They don't even know where the bandwagon's going. But, hey, I'm, I'm jumping on. I'm going to get there with everyone else. I'm going to do what everyone else is doing. They have no idea where they're going and what they're going to do when they get there, but they're jumping on because that's what the crowd is doing. Verse 33. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand. So he's like, oh, hey, oh, oh. He's getting everybody's attention, right? And wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, wait a minute, you can't talk because you're supposed to be on our side. So you just, eh, shut your mouth, be quiet. All with one voice cried for about two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Can you imagine just hearing this chant for two hours? So they've all jumped on this bandwagon. They're all going to the public theater. They're all chanting, and they still really don't know what's going on. They've just joined the chant. So verse 35, And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. So here's a guy who's like, yo, you guys need to chill. I mean, just stop for a minute. You guys have been chanting for two hours, great as Diana of the Ephesians. You guys, guys, whoa, hello, wake up to reality. Everyone knows Diana is the greatest. Everybody knows that they worship her. They worship the temple here. Shut mouth. Be quiet. So here's a guy who should be jumping on the bandwagon who's like the voice of reason. Is this what you expect from this guy? Not at all. This is the guy who should be like, yeah, who's Paul and all that? Yeah, let's, let's jump, let's, let's, let's nail Paul to the wall. But he doesn't. He says, therefore, since these things cannot be denied, I mean, he, in his mind, it's just a matter of fact. Diana is the God of choice. Verse 37, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius, the silversmith, and his fellow craftsmen have case against anyone, the courts are open and their proconsuls. Let them bring charges against another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in, determined in the lawful assembly. So what's he saying here? This is chaos. Y'all are making a big ruckus for nothing. They're not thieves. They're not out there blaspheming Diana. So what happens? Verse 40. For in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So it's just like, it's over. All right, everybody on their separate ways. Nothing to see here. Go home. Is this like, I don't know about you, but as I'm reading through this, there's chaos in the theater. And at the same time, it's just like, as I'm getting to the end, as they're bringing Paul to the, the guy who you would expect to, to join the bandwagon doesn't. I mean, this, this is like, this is like drama TV, right? What you think's gonna happen doesn't. And they just, Go home, everybody. Nothing to see here. 
All right, let's go. Let's go home. But, but yet it's not that way, is it? What, and I'm sitting there thinking, what, what is it that God wants us to learn from this? I mean, because you could, you could theoretically and really realistically say that 10th chapter is saying the same thing. Paul's teaching in the synagogues. He's irritating people. People that are irritated want to do something about them, so they kind of force them to the legal, legal powers that be. He gets up either going to jail or goes up free, but you know, same, same story, different chapter. Right? I mean, really. So look at the bullet points. Paul is still doing what he always does, traveling town to town, talking to the powers of be in the synagogues. Paul is doing what God has asked him to do. I don't have to agree with it. When God asks you to do something, you are responsible to God to do it. You're not responsible to me. You're responsible to God. Even if anyone else, no one else around you understands it, if no one else understands it, you are still responsible to do it. I, I can't tell you how many people I know that say, well, God, God clearly showed me in his word that I'm supposed to do this. I'm like, okay, then you do it. Because you're responsible to do what God asks you to do. Right? Right? And him that knows to do right and doesn't do it, it's sin. So you're responsible to do what God tells you to do. So Paul is still doing what he always does, traveling town, talking to the powers that be in the synagogues, and now Demetrius is upset with Paul. Why? He's hurting business. Our profits are shrinking. Isn't it amazing when you know people don't really care what you think until it starts hitting the pocketbook? Then it gets really real. It's like, don't mess with my money. And that's the problem here. I don't think it's that Demetrius, Demetrius was upset that Paul had a different opinion, that he followed the true God. He doesn't mention that he's upset about that. He's upset that he's affecting my pocketbook. And guys, he's going to affect yours too. I mean, Paul's out here preaching that just because this God has eyes doesn't mean he can see. Just because he has a mouth doesn't mean he can speak. Just because he has ears doesn't mean he has a hear. He says these are, he's saying that they're not real gods, and that these are shrines to our temple Diana. He's hurting our bottom, the bottom line is our, our profits are shrinking. Isn't it amazing how you can do whatever you want until it hits the pocketbook? And then all of a sudden, it's like, Katie, bar the door. We're, we're, we're going to do something about this. So the men of Ephesus are getting more and more angry. We see that in verse 27 and 28. Why? Look, well, look at, look at this. Just a reminder. 27 and 28. It says, so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed whom all Asia and the world worship. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, they loved their false god. They loved it. Question. In this world that we live, do people love their false gods? Is it really anything different than the day of Ephesus? No. It's really not. <laughs> exactly. There's a name change. Paul wants to go into the theater to respond to the accusations against him and share the gospel. I think Paul is just, it's on his heart. I mean, Paul is such a changed man that he, he doesn't care about his own life. He doesn't care that there's an angry mob in the theater chanting greatest Diana of Ephesus for two hours. He doesn't care. He wants to go, listen, I want to go share the gospel with him. And they're like, I, I don't think you want to go just right now, Paul. Let's, let's hold that thought off a little bit, right? But Paul wants to go in there. They've already got, you know, travel companions, Gaius and Aristarchus. 
And Paul is brought before the powers that be, but the proconsuls basically quieted the people and basically said, let the courts decide if they've done something wrong. I mean, they haven't stolen anything. I mean, they're not all here blaspheming Diana. They're just doing their thing. Leave them alone. If there's really something to be brought against them, well, let the courts decide. But here's where I started thinking about this. Interesting story. Got a lot of drama. Make a great action-packed movie for a, you know an hour setting. But what is it that God wants us to think about through this? What is it that God would have us to be challenged with? I started off asking this question. You ever felt like you're doing right? Doing what God has asked you to do? You're doing what you believe God has gifted you to do, and yet people are coming against you because they don't like it. How do you handle that? I don't know about you, but I don't like those scenarios. And we can, I don't know how you respond to those things, but I know how my flesh wants to respond. I mean, we can defend ourselves. I mean, isn't that the first natural thing to do, to defend ourselves? I mean, I'm telling you, you're wrong. You don't have all the facts. You didn't get the whole story. You're wrong, and here's why you're wrong. This is why I'm right. And and, and in our nature <coughs> to want to defend ourselves, how many like that approach? Yeah, some of you are not telling the truth, but that's okay. You can repent later. But my nature is that I want to retaliate. I want to, I want to set the record straight. In godliness, of course. But some like to retaliate. How about get angry? Because that helps a whole lot. Because God's word says, you know, the anger of man and prophets, nothing. That's a, yeah, that's what he said, nothing. Right, because the anger of man doesn't lead to righteousness. That's what God's word says. So does getting angry and mad work? Does it fix the problem? It, no, not really. Or, or how about just pretend it'll go away? Just if you hope really good, ugh, it's going to go away. I just know tomorrow when I wake up, it's all going to be gone. Because that works too, right? No, it doesn't work. Or what some of us do, just nothing. You just do nothing. Just do nothing. But how would God have us to respond to these things? Because that's a struggle for all of us. I, I, I got... I got, I got both hands up. In my flesh, I think I'm right most of the time. Anyone else? I think I'm right. Just ask me, I'll tell you. And if you're not getting it, eventually you will, because I'm going to force it into you that I'm right. At least I'm going to try to, because that's my nature. And it's yours too, probably, if we're honest. We have an opinion. I've said it for years. The older we get... The older we get, the less things grasp us or take hold of us. You know, when you're young, it's like you want a nice car, you want a nice house, you want a good job, you want that position. You, want, you know, you get older, it's like who cares about any of that stuff? Who who really cares? You know, but the one thing we don't let up is our opinions. I can give up everything, but I'm not giving up my opinion. Why? Because I'm right. And and we, and that's the one thing that seems not only do not give up, but even we grow more staunch in it, because we think we're right. So I'm thinking through this this week. How do how would God handle have me to handle 
circumstances that are less than desirable, circumstances that I would not choose. I I don't think Paul woke up in the morning and says, Woo! Another great day to get an angry mom mad at me. Let's do this. All right, Gaius, Aristarchus, let's go do this. I don't think Paul got up in the morning and said, let's just get the, you know, everybody ticked off at us. You know, let's just get the whole crowd going. Because I want to go before the proconsul and see what happens. I think things happen every day that we would not choose. Things happen in our, in our, in our weekly walk that we would not pick. But we, even though we cannot choose those, or we wouldn't choose those things, we have to choose how we're going to respond to them. Right? That's, a, that's the choice we have, is how we're going to respond to them. So let me give you six things that we can do. And trust me, the Bible's got 60. But let me just give you six of them. Things that we can know. Um, first, first of all, turn your Bibles to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And look at verses 7 and 8. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Anything you face is temporary. So he says, be patient. I don't know about you, but when you're in the midst of a battle, the most difficult thing to be is patient. Because when it happens, I want it to be resolved immediately. Anyone else? I don't want to let it drag on for another week, another two weeks, another five weeks, another month. I want it over. And there are just times that you have to just sit there and say, okay, Lord, in the big picture, this is temporary. Be patient. And if you don't have patience, be careful when you pray for it because you'll probably get some other things along with the patience, according to the book of James. But the first thing I think we need to learn to do is be patient. This thing that we're going through that seems so big, so overwhelming, so harsh, it's just a temporary thing in light of eternity. Uh, how about Exodus 14.14? 14, 14? Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible, Gen- Exodus 14.14. 14. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Wow. In other words, shut your mouth. Just shut it. I don't know about you, but I've met so many people over the last 20 years that have gone through difficult marital situations. One spouse or the other is just degrading the other in front of the kids. And after a while, the kids begin to think this of their spouse or the parent and i said just just be quiet hold your tongue i said because in the end the truth always comes out and it does eventually people see the truth they really do but the hardest thing to do in the midst of a struggle when somebody's coming at you is to be quiet and to hold your peace and yet that's what god says to do it's what he had to do Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Can you imagine being Moses going against Pharaoh? Moses, just hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you. Uh, I don't see how this is going to work. I'm just not seeing it. 
You don't have to see it. You have to trust. Is God in control or is he not? How about this one? Proverbs 25. (coughs) Proverbs chapter 25. And look at verse 21 and 22. It says this. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread. Oh, wait a minute. Stop right there. I'm supposed to be nice to my enemies by feeding them? God, God, did you, did you really say that? Or did somebody, is that one of those things like in Revelation 22 that somebody added? Cursed they are. They shouldn't have put that in there. No, he, he says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In other words, be kind to the person who is coming at you. God will fight that battle, remember? We just saw that. God's going to fight that battle. Look at verse 22. For so you, will, so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. You ever heard the phrase, kill him with kindness? That's what that is. It's killing him with kindness. I want to kill him, but not with kindness. Is it, Lord, Lord, is it wrong to throw, punch somebody that irritates you? Know, no, I'm just kidding. There's just times that you're so irritated. And the last thing we want to do is be nice to somebody who's not being nice to you. And yet, this is his response that he shares with us. To be silent. Or, how about 1 Peter 3.9? It's not fair. These guys get it up there on the screen so fast, and my Bible doesn't turn that fast. First Peter three nine, it says, "Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing." Wow, he says to bless them. How many have the innate ability to bless somebody who's being a jerk to you? That is not natural. But he doesn't call us to be natural. He calls us to be supernatural. He calls us to a higher standard, does he not? And let me just say this. This whole message was for me. Because I know my flesh. I know how I can respond. So I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. In my flesh, I don't want to get equal. I've said for years, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Amen? But he uses people and I'm a willing vessel. That's what my flesh wants to do. Take care of the situation. And yet, the the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, he says. That's hard. Bless those that revile you. Don't get even. Don't retaliate. Don't revile back. Wow. Is that really in there? Because that's not easy. No, that's not easy. But I look at all these things, and this is what we've observed from Paul week after week after week. He didn't sit there and retaliate. Dude, hey, hey guys, gather the posse. We're going in after the temple guys. We're going to take them out. 
He didn't do it. I would have wanted to. Oh, oh, really? I'm going to show you my God stronger. Come on, guys. Wipe him out. He doesn't do it. He was, he's been patient. He doesn't beat him over the head. He just has a conversation with them. They get mad, and he just says, well, that's all right. Go to the next town. He doesn't try to control the outcome. That's what I want to do. I want to control the outcome. I want to know how it's going to end. Yesterday, not tomorrow or next week, yesterday. And silent, keep my mouth shut? No. That's that's for wimps. Matthew 7. Turn your, everyone turn your Bible to Matthew 7. You need to underline this. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 says this. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In other words, you've heard this said, treat others as you would want to be treated. Is that easy? It's not. And yet it's in, in fact, it's, it's one of the red ones. It's, it's the red verse. You know who said that? Jesus. Jesus said that one. So what happens when things are happening and in the heat of the moment, we're filled with frustration and anger and disappointment. And I think God's Word gives us the answer, doesn't it? Put the last one up there, if you can. Matthew 7, I think it was. Remember this. Or or the, the, the very first one. So when we start thinking about this, we want to, I don't know about you, I pray for an easy life. How many, how many pray for God's blessing? Raise your hand. How many, when you go on a trip, you pray for safety? How many pray that, you, that the car won't break down and that you won't have any disappointments on you? Every time I get in my car, Lord God, keep me safe. Go on a trip. Help there to be no problems. Pray that the car gets there safely both directions. We pray for a life of ease. And yet these are the very things that God uses in our life, or that God uses to teach us how we are to respond to things. But you have to know this. Look at the verse. Blessed are you when you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. When you're doing what God asks you to do, when you've been faithful doing what God has asked you to, to do, and people don't like it, the bottom line is you just stay faithful. Stay faithful. And he says you'll be blessed for it. You want God's blessing? Stay faithful. Regardless of the circumstances. Even though there are circumstances that you would not choose. Stay faithful. Let's go back to our text there in Acts chapter 19. And if we could look at the last, beginning with verse 39. He says, but if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give an account for this disorderly gathering. He says, listen, 
These are the powers that be. And if I had stopped three or four verses shy of that, knowing that Paul was brought before these people and that they're going to the legal authorities, I would have thought, oh, there he goes, he's back into the jail again. There he goes, back to the slammer. And yet that's not what happens. God does the opposite of what we think will happen. And that's what I think God does a lot of times in our own personal lives. These circumstances are taking place we're all upset, we're all worried, we're all frustrated because these things are happening and we can't understand why they're happening and why are they doing this and why can't they just you know, be quiet and shut their mouth like I'm supposed to do and all these things. And yet we realize that sometimes God's working in the background and He already has the solution laid out. What was the solution? He used an unsaved man who is a legal authority in the theater courtyard a proconsul and uses this unsaved man to say hey yeah I'll go home nothing to see here and verse 41 and when he had said these things he dismissed the assembly case closed done and over with you see God took care of it it might have been a different I, I don't know what the scenario could have been or might, you know had he got in there I, I don't know but what I see is Paul followed the things that we just talked about. He kept his mouth shut. He didn't go running in there. He didn't you know, make a big scene. He didn't beat him over the head. He didn't gather his posse. He didn't do all the things that our flesh would tell us to do. He just simply stayed faithful to what God called him to do. And I think when we want to see God work in our lives, I think the prerequisite is staying faithful to what God has called you to do. We see it now for chapter after chapter after chapter of Acts. Paul just consistently, faithfully, day in and day out, doing what God had asked him to do. Even though there's been opposition. Even though there are people around him who don't understand. Even though there are people around him that, that take personal offense at him. He just stayed faithful. So, if you're just an outsider looking at this story... What do you think God would have you to do? Be faithful. I don't know about you, but it's hard to be faithful when we're trying to control the outcome. See, in one in, in one in one regard, we want to we want to take out the whips, right? Take out the pistols. We want we want to get revenge. But on the other hand, if we're taking care of the problem, that means God can't, right? And I think in all these situations, we need to give it to God and trust Him. Just stay faithful what He's called you to do and to be. And if you'll do that, God will work. Just like He did here. How many need that challenge? I do. I need this because my flesh is way stinking too strong. Those of you that know me, man, I, I, I don't mind a good argument. I don't mind debating a little bit. Because I think I'm right. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. I'll give you my two cents. Even if you don't want it. i got to control that. And then I read this and I'm like, oh, you dummy. This is not how God wants you to respond. And it's a constant reminder that my flesh is strong and I need the Spirit to work through me. 
That's a struggle for some of us. Maybe you got it mastered. I don't. But I'm working on it. And it's a rebuke to me to say, ah, yeah, I want to I I run in after it. I want to set the record straight. I want to let them know what's what. Rather than just simply trusting God and staying faithful. Lord, as we come before you, Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us, Father. Because, Lord, I know in my own flesh I'm so, so weak sometimes. And I don't always have the strength that I need because I'm trying to do it in my own flesh. I'm trying to do it in my own strength rather than trusting you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, even in these last couple weeks, Lord, there's been circumstances where I want to defend myself. God, forgive me. Help me to trust you. Help all of us, Father, to learn from what Paul has been demonstrating, Lord, not only about being a faithful witness, not only about being true to the gospel, not only about being a bold sharer of the gospel, but, but also how to handle opposition. Lord, I pray you'd help us to learn from his example, learn from his testimony. And in doing so, become more like Christ, knowing that in the end, you will bless, Lord, when we are faithful and obedient. You will bless us. And Lord, I don't know what that blessing looks like right now. It may look different for each of us. But Lord, I look forward to your blessing. I look forward to, Lord, you doing what you're going to do in and through our lives because we are faithful and obedient to it. So Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. Make us more like you in these areas, Father. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you know we don't do this a ton, but Lord, but we we every week we give you an opportunity to respond to the things that you've heard. Every week we just have an opportunity to say, Lord, I need to fill in the blank. This example, this story, this message, it's taught me fill in the blank. I don't know about you, but it, it's a reminder to me to be faithful and focused to the task at hand. Maybe this morning you say, Pastor, that's me. My hand's up, but just so you know, my hand's up. Both hands are up because it's a rebuke to me. But maybe this morning you say, Pastor, I just need to deal with this. There's some things in my life. So I'm just going to, for a moment, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, maybe this morning you just need to come to the front and just take a moment and pray and give it to God. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. Let's all stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe this morning God's stirred your heart, your spirit, and you just say, I need to give it to God. I just encourage you to come down front and just take a moment and pray. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you respond how God would have you to respond. If there are people in your life that you are not responding right to, give it to God. Yeah, you can do it in your seat, but maybe this morning you say, God, I, I need to settle this. Take a moment. And give it to God. Don't miss an opportunity to seal it. Some have come. Do you need to come? You're trying to handle it in your own strength, your own might, your own ability.
Maybe this morning you just need to settle it once and for all. Let God work through you. You stay faithful. You stay obedient. As the organist plays one more, one more verse. God will fight your battles. Your job is to keep silent. Exodus 14, 14. Head bowed, nice closed. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm struggling with some areas. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Yes. 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 All over the auditorium. Pray with me as we close in prayer. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the things that we're struggling with. You know the things that are distractions, the things that are holding us back, the things that keep us from our focus being completely on you. And I pray, God, you help us. Because, Lord, many around this auditorium, Lord, have lifted their head and their heart towards you, Lord. And, God, I pray that you give them victory this week. Lord, we want to be a picture of Jesus in every situation. And yet, Lord, we know that our flesh is so strong. Lord, this message was a rebuke to me. And I need to work on some changes, Lord, with your help through the Holy Spirit. I need to let you fight my battles. I need to let you have control of everything that takes place in my life, Lord. But Lord, for every one of us in here, Lord, we're all in the same boat, Lord. We deal with people day in and day out. And sometimes circumstances are harsh and hard. So Lord, help us. Grant victory, we pray, Lord. May we be a picture of Jesus in all these circumstances. And we'll give you the praise and the glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.